The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Happy Brandon Day. Happy Brandon Day. Ah, man. Just feels right, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Last week was uh, not great. I really just felt like my routine was off. Uh, Wednesday was very empty without Brandon Day. (laughs) And uh, I'm not sure the world really knew what was going on, frankly. No. I'm happy to be back here um, filling up your life once again. That's uh, that's what Fantasy NBA Today is for. Well, after Wednesday, you had a... Uh, real wingding, but I guess we can get to that in a second. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today. It's a hoop ball presentation brought to you as well by our buddies at Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company. H.I. Kona Coffee on Twitter, HawaiianIsles.com. I am Dan Vespris, and he is Brandon Marcus, and this is Brandon Day. It's also been, at times, known as Ailment Day, but I actually feel okay. Uh, I'm still rebounding, man. I'm still rebounding. Last week, I uh, was in the gym. I was uh, getting my buff on. <laughs> I had my two 40-pound weights. I was doing squats. Yeah. My first set was great. Had my weights to my side. Second set, first rep, great. Second rep, get to the bottom, and I get a huge just pain down my bottom of my back. And oh. I just could not get back up. It was not great. I went straight to the ground, uh, laid there. I'm not sure if the two or three people at the gym were looking at me. I don't think they were. Uh, <laughs> I think they were old, so they just thought that I was just getting a rest on because they would probably get a rest on. And uh, frankly, the bottom of my back was not great. Apparently, I think it was the sciatic nerve. Ooh. Uh, yeah, sitting was not great for a while. Walking, I would take a bad step, and it would take a shooting pain down my back. Jeez. Uh, for the most part, I'm good now, except that it's still very sore. Um, kind of hurts a little bit to sleep on one side. But apart from that... We're doing good. I'm well rested, Dan. This is this is a really big day. The fiance is sick, and so because of that, instead of sleeping till seven forty-five, I slept till eight forty-five. So oh. we are very rested today. You savage. Yeah, you, yeah, you big sa- day. You savage. He's at B D Marcus on Twitter. Give him a follow. I'm at Dan Bespris. D A N B E S B R I S. Um, Wednesday ailment day. Brandon day. It's also buy low, sell high day on the pod. So before I even get into uh, whatever goofiness happened on Tuesday night, this I thought this was a great segment we ran a couple weeks ago. I think this is something we could probably do. I mean, it's not going to be as obvious as you get into the middle of the season, but we're still kind of at the tail end of small sample size season. And I know you have prepared a, a host of names of guys you could either get rid of now, cash in. Or guys you should buy before they take off. So I'm just going to give you the stage. Where do you want to go first? Some of these that I'm going to name, actually all the ones that I'm going to name, are bigger names um, and ones that I think will be easier to buy low or sell high. When you look at a guy, for example, that's not on my list, like Tristan Thompson, who's been incredible to start, I still don't think you're going to get the value back that you would want for him. And because of that, you're probably better off just holding on and enjoying it for however long and letting it carry you for the one or two months that this value sticks. Because sometimes in fantasy, you're actually better off just holding on to a guy and dominating, whether it's for head-to-head especially, winning three or four weeks in a row because of one guy than trading somebody and not getting equal value back. So so that's, that's actually kind of not either a buy low or a sell high. Yeah, it's probably a hold. That's this a is hold. what I would say for, for someone like Tristan Thompson because th- those names – 
keep popping up. Guys like Tristan Thompson, um, even Sabonis, I think, is one where you're probably just better off because he's still not a big name. And I don't think people who play fantasy casually will give you enough value back. Yeah, it's true. Uh, Sabonis, by the way, is number 20 right now. And, you know, you could just I mean, he's going to be a scoring rebounding machine this year with with good percentages. But some of that stuff does feel anyway. I don't know. Is he on your list of of sell highs or buy? He's a hold guy also. No, he's an example just because Miles Turner is going to come back mm-hmm. and then have Oladipo come back. So without further ado, let's enter the buy low, sell high territory. Buy low, number one, Buddy Heald. Yeah. I mean, geez, where's he even at right now? Is he inside the top 100 yet? No, he's not. He's at 124. Um, and last year he finished at 38. The year before that he finished at 91. No deer and Fox, so his usage should go up even more. And I own De'Aaron Fox in the league, by the way, and I am terrified. I, I don't think he comes back for one and a half to two months, possibly. Um, and it worries the hell out of me, and I don't think he's going to come back and be the same guy. I've read a lot of stuff about this ankle injury and how guys don't come back to be the same player. So, yes, Buddy Heald is target number one. Yeah, and for good reason, too, because you look at his numbers, and uh, sort of at a, at a cursory glance, everything seems okay but then you look at it as a comparison to the last even couple of years, his percent, his field goal percent is down three or four, uh, depending on which season you look at, or seven if you go even the year before that. Um, so that feels like it's likely to slowly work back towards its normal mark. And his volume's actually been exactly the same. Obviously, that's going to be going up now with no De'Aaron Fox, but it's been exactly the same. 16.6 last year, 16.5 shots per game this year. He's just making a full shot less. He's getting to the foul line uh, less this year. I don't know if that's something that that settles itself out, but even if it doesn't, his turnovers are also up by one whole turnover per game. That also feels like a number that's probably not going to stick. Uh, unless, again, with De'Aaron Fox out, does he do more? But in that case, other stuff would probably also come up as well. Uh, yes, 100% with you on this one. Very clear by low. But now the hard part is, what do you give up for Buddy Heald? What do you think would actually get someone to part with him? Because it's not like you can give up a hundred, you know, a top 20, 125 guy. That's not going to be enough to get the job done. What's it going to take to get Buddy Heald right now? Someone around 50 40, 60, higher? I mean, what's the cheapest price you think you could get him for? What about uh, what about a guy like SGA? Rather have SGA or Buddy Heald? I'd rather have Heald. Yeah, same here. So I, I think that's one that you could get away with as well. Um, because SGA right now is a pop-in name, and that could help you out. I would rather have Heald than Brooke Lopez. Yep, I'm with you. Brooke is sitting at 74. Um, I may even rather have healed than Bam. As much as I like Bam, he's sitting at 73, and I'm not sure he's going to be much better than what he's doing right now. I think those two guys, I put those guys almost in the same bucket. So I, I, to me, that's probably more than you'd have to give up to get yes. Buddy Healed right now. Um, I like the SGA one. That's a really interesting name because he he feels like he's been awesome so far this year with 20 points and six rebounds and three assists. Uh, but the steals and blocks haven't really been as high as we thought. The free throw percent is hurting you. Um, and his threes are fine, but not great, which is all sort of leveled off to number 85. That boggles the mind. I thought for sure he'd be higher than that right now. Yeah, I thought he was going to be higher too. But 
sitting him right now at end of the seventh, early eighth round value is uh, unexpected, no doubt. Zach Levine is another name in that same area that was drafted in the 50s and is now sitting in the 80s. Uh, and obviously the Bulls are a, are a horrifying lot. So I don't know. Would you you'd pro- almost pr- for sure prefer Buddy Heald between those two guys? Do you think it would be enough to get him? Well, possibly. I mean, <laughs> one good thing about Buddy, by the way, is you're going to have a couple of games to do this because his schedule actually is tough for the next couple. He plays the Lakers uh, next game, and then I believe he also plays against Boston. Um, so he's got a couple of tough games coming up before his schedule gets a little bit easier. So he may have a couple of bad games, which may help you out. So I'm looking at some of the guys now that are ranked in the 50 to 70 range that might have been drafted a little bit later than that. And maybe that's the pairing that we're looking for here. Uh, a couple of names that jump out, guys that were drafted way later that are sitting in that spot, but not waiver wire pickups. You know, you're not going to get Buddy Heald for Luke Kennard, even though he's playing well right now. It's just not going to happen. Uh, Montrez Harrell is number 60. He was drafted near, you know, 80, 85. Um, would you give up Montrez Harrell for Buddy Heald? Yes. Boyan Bogdanovich, drafted around 100. He's sitting at number 60 right now. Do you think that would be enough? Because I'm sure we'd both give him up for it. Yeah, uh, probably not. Yeah, probably not. Um, looking at some of these other guys that might have been in that neck of the woods. Uh, what, what about Jamal Murray versus Buddy Heald? Uh, you know I love Jamal Murray. <laughs> Even over Buddy? Uh, no, I think I'd rather have Buddy just because yeah. uh, I don't think Jamal Murray's field goal percentage is great. Um, Denver's weird, man. They uh, are they're not weird. playing as well as they should be playing. No, they're sort of like they're going through the motions. I had their under for the season win total, and they're still winning games despite not playing really decisive basketball. But they yeah. have that. They absolutely have that sort of year after they proved themselves hangover where they were really good in the regular season last year and then lost in the playoffs. And so you look at a team like that and you're like, okay, this team is 100% focused on the playoffs. They're like, they're convinced they can just sleepwalk through the regular season and turn it up when they need to be healthy. And you're seeing a little bit of that. I mean, they got beat by Atlanta at home last night. That's uh, not a great look. They have some good wins in there, but you know, that's, they just they don't look that focused, they, they, but the starters are starting to get more minutes at least. I don't know. These are just names I'm throwing out there as guys that maybe are, and he's not overperforming. He's pretty close, actually, to where he was drafted. Um, looking at some other guys that may be even overperforming a little bit more, uh, Jalen Brown, that's probably not enough to get healed, right? Mm, you don't never know. Gallo, do you think that's enough? You wonder if someone's worried about his injury history. If not, then it should be enough. I also right. think Gallo finishes in that area if he stays healthy. That, that Obviously a big if, but we talked about Gallo last year and how well he performed, and he missed a bunch of games, and he still finished pretty high. He finishes number 28 in per-game value. Yep. So then you make the play. Do you want the durability, or do you want I think I'd, I think I'd move him for Buddy Heald. Yeah. Get That's out from fair. under it. That's a fair deal. Yeah. All right, who's next on the list? Let's go to number two. Number two, um, I'm going to go with a name that a lot of people have been talking about. Someone that I don't love, but just makes a lot of sense because of where their value is right now. Jaron Jackson Jr. Um, mm. He is really low. He's sitting at 142. It's 12th round. Um, he has had a couple of good games recently. So it tells you that his numbers are starting to improve. 
So that buy low window still might be open a little bit. Um, I wouldn't get him if you already have JV. I just don't want to have that JV, JJJ combo. I don't think that's necessary. But I think that's a guy that you can probably get for top 60, top 70 guy, maybe even less, actually. We'll see. Uh, he did have one good game recently. You know what's funny in my mind is it almost feels like you need more to pry away Jared Jackson Jr. than Buddy Heald, even though oh. it makes no sense. It's just there's something about him that I feel like anybody that has him on their team is not going to part with him for anything other than like where they wanted him to finish the year, and I don't know that he's ever going to get quite that high. It does depend on what you have to give up. I, I wouldn't give up a ton of talent to get him. Last year, he finished at 89 in per-game value, and his usage is exactly the same as what it was last year. Um, his turnovers are up a little bit. His free throw percentage is actually up. His field goal percentage is down. Um, you'd expect the field goal percentage to go up at some point but most of his other numbers are pretty close to where he was last year so i'm not sure how much higher he's going to get but still a name that if you're able to get for um, i'll modify it to top 100 i would probably do it just because of the potential for jjj yeah i'd give up way less for him and i still feel like it's going to take as much or not more so i I, this one's this one feels like a really hard one for me like i i think you'd probably have to give up somebody performing in the top 50 level that doesn't feel fluky and i'm not willing to part with that like i think you'd have to give up someone like a tobias harris to to get jjj and i and i don't i wouldn't do it i'd rather have the i'd rather have tobias i i I'd rather be trying to trade away guys like we just talked about on the the Buddy Heald piece of the puzzle, and even some of those guys I'd probably wipe off the page. I think I think I'd rather have Shea Gilgis Alexander than JJJ. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm going too far with that one, but oh no, I think that's about right. And I think mine is more of a potential on this one that he does have the potential. Let's say if JV, if this foot thing comes back at some point, right? Uh, Brandon Clark ever gets hurt. I mean, obviously, right now there are guys that are in his way. And so if you're able to get it for a top 100 guy, I'm not saying go out and give up a top 50 player. Um, Harris, I would have in a heartbeat over him. By the way, if you are in a league and you don't own Harris, go ahead and just float an offer out or two just because he went over 11 yesterday from three. Despite his terrible shooting, he's still ranked right at top 50. Yeah. So he was, he... it shows you how good <laughs> he has been this season. Yeah, he was right around like 30, 35 before the, the clunker too. So you can move pretty quick at this time of year depending on how one big or one slow game goes. I just, there's, there is a disconnect, I think, with JJJ between what he has done, what he could potentially do, and what he probably will do that doesn't exist with say Buddy Heald, who we just talked about, I think with Heald, uh, people that drafted him are thinking, okay, I took this guy because I thought he'd be this massive three-point specialist, but he's actually kind of been a drag on my team so far. What's the upside here? You know, that's the that's the thought that goes through a head. Like, is this guy just going to be C.J. McCollum? Am, am I going to end up with a top 65 guy? Fine, whatever. If somebody floats me something like 65, 70, then I'll just take it and call it a day. Whereas I feel like people that have JJJ are looking at him and saying. I can't part with this guy. He's going to be a top 25 guy this year. When in fact, that might not be until next year or the year after that. Or I mean, maybe there's a sliver of a chance it still happens this season. It's definitely not off the table. But there's that's to me where the sort of cognitive weirdness comes in. Where it's going to take more to get a guy with that has proven less because he's done more in like 
you know, summer league and preseason. It's really, it's very strange. And this is not me trying to be combative in any way, but I just, I don't even think that you can buy low on JJJ. I think it's almost too hard. Yeah. I think if you're able to go out there and if you have an owner on your team or an owner in your league that's frustrated with him because he's young and doesn't know what he's capable of or just has lost patience, I think it's worth it to try. Um, but yeah, this is definitely, uh, it's, you threw this right back at me and I understand and uh, I'm okay <laughs> with it. And it's just one that I think you can go out there and explore if you're in a league that is not full of like hoop ball type people that are smart and know that it's not just, it's just the name right now because other people might be fed up. Who's number three? Number three, I think is a guy that's going to enter a uh, old man Bespers territory very shortly. And it's a name that you actually brought up. Uh, about a minute or two ago, C.J. McCollum. Right now, he's ranked. <laughs> I did. At, I did mention it. <laughs> right, right now, he's ranked at 154, and so I decided to look at his rank because I knew coming in that he was a pretty boring player, and it was annoying to draft him in leagues because he's everyone thinks oh he's just really points in threes. He doesn't really do much else for you. The last four years, last year finished number 60. The year before that, number 50. Year before that, 28. Year before that, 45. Games played, 70, 81, 80, 80. So he stays healthy. Right now, he's averaging one less point per game, one less three per game than he basically has had every single year of his career. And his field goal percentage is down from about 44 to 48% from what he's gone through this uh, career for him. And it's down to 40%. So he's a guy that I think will finish inside the top 100 and is not performing like it right now. And the question is, who would you trade for him? And that's the interesting hmm. scenario. Yeah, this is a good one. I like this one a lot, actually, because it's definitely a buy low. And you have what I like to refer to as portfolio. That's sort of my favorite thing with some of these guys. I don't... Here's here's the one thing. A lot of people remember the C.J. McCollum 2016-17 season where he shot 48% from the field and 91 at the free throw line, and he was a top 35. He was basically like, oh, do you take C.J. McCollum or Clay Thompson at, you know, pick 32 this next year? And, yeah. you know, obviously it turned out Clay was the right choice between those two because McCollum's field goal percent has come back to his career mark, which is more like 44-45. Free throw is back into the low to mid-80s, which is still good, but not 91 um, and then everything else has basically stayed the same. You know, he's right around 20 to 22 points, four boards, three assists. I mean, he is, from a from a counting stat perspective, he's almost as consistent as they come. The percentages have been the thing fluctuating a little bit. And this year, the thing that's really dragging him down, he's shooting 30% from three, and he's a career 40%er from there. So, like you said, he's an obvious buy low. But the question is, where the hell is he going to end up? I do think that he can get back basically where he was last year, which is more like a 65 range guy. Yeah. But I don't think you'd have to pay a 65 range guy to get him right now. I think he's a guy you could get for a little bit less than that, almost like a downgraded version of what we talked about with Buddy Heal. Do you agree? Yeah, the question is who? Because we brought up SGA. I'd rather have SGA between those two. You'd rather have SGA over McCollum. I would, yeah, just for the chance. Because we know McCollum's not getting back inside the top 50. And SGA does have a chance to get there. And if his free throw percent comes up and he gets to 1.1 steals a game instead of 0.7, that's basically all it would take to push him into that top 50 discussion. He's not that far. But yeah. some of those other guys I definitely would flip 
for McCollum. Who would you flip? Because right now, I mean, I'm going through and looking through the rankings, and it's interesting because I, I don't know who, what type of guy. That's the, that's the hardest part because McCollum's still a big name. So who would you want to give up? You need to- buzz. You need a guy that was buzzy on draft day. Kelly Oubre. I take McCollum. Yeah. And I don't know that people... I think you could probably get McCollum for Ubre right now. He's ranked about 40 slots higher. Uh, he got off to a quick start before cooling a little bit his last couple of ball games. Uh, all of the sort of, can I get something decent for this guy, even if he hasn't been that great factors, are working in Ubre's favor. So he, he's on my list of guys I think I'd float out there. Would you trade Trez? I think that's actually too fair. <laughs> that's a weird thing to say. I feel like that's actually kind of a lateral move. So for okay. me, that one would be more about what do I actually need? Do I want the field goal percent, defensive stats, stuff from Montrez, or do I want McCollum's, you know, the the threes, the whatever that the free throw percent that he provides there? I, I to me, that's more than I would give up. T.J. Warren. Yeah, I take uh, I take McCollum there. Yeah, that's not a bad one. Yeah, Jabari Parker. Oh yeah, definitely McCollum. No question. Yeah, there's some names in there that are are weird ones. Like, uh, you know, I don't... Do people realize that Paul Millsap is actually number 70? I would definitely give him up for McCollum. Yeah, I would give up Millsap as well. Um, Looking at guys maybe a little bit farther up the list, guys that are overperforming a little bit more. um, Luke Kennard, probably not enough, if I had to guess. No way. Devontae Graham. Would you trade Devontae Graham for McCollum? Yes. Yeah, I think I would too. Just Josh Hart. Definitely would. Yep. McCollum. Daniel House. Now we're getting into like the Dan Bespris favorites here. I'd rather have McCollum, I think. I think I would too. Just because those, I think McCollum's stats are a little harder to find. I love, yeah. I, by the way, I, you'd, everybody knows how much I love Daniel House. He's a, he's a two one and one guy. Screw one one and one. Two threes, a steal on a block per game. I love it. Um, what about some of these other guys? One more for you. Yeah. Uh, would you rather have Whiteside or McCollum? I would rather have McCollum. I'm still worried Whiteside's free throw is going to come down off of 74%. And yeah, hard. They're that often. I mean, four times a game is not that much. Um, but if that's, been, yeah, if that's, he's been really good four, and they need he to play. Yeah, they have nothing else there, especially with Collins hurt. So he's going to be on the floor. But boy, if that three out of four per game becomes two out of four per game, Whiteside takes a huge roto hit. Yeah. Head to head, though, not as much. Not as much. That's very true. Um, P.J. Tucker, he's number 44. I'd rather have McCollum, and I love P.J. Tucker. Here's an interesting one. Brandon Clark, number 43. Wildly overperforming. One of those guys that everybody was reaching for to get, and so far that looks like one of the best reaches on draft day, or C.J. McCollum. I think I'm going McCollum there. I think I'd rather have McCollum, too. And it's crazy to think, because Clark's only doing it in 22 minutes a game. I just I, I don't know that his minutes change all that much from that. But he's got the upside. Yeah. Hmm. Guys in that area, by the way, that are like Tatum, Gallinari, Wiggins, Barton. I'd rather have those guys than McCollum. Yeah, I might... Barton's the only one that's a question mark. That was but. what I was about to say. Michael McCollum over Barton. Justin, he's been a little injury prone, and they have so much depth there as well. He's been playing really well to start the year, though. Yeah. Uh, All right, let's go sell high. What's that? Uh, I said, let's go to sell highs. Okay, sell high. What you got? Brogdon. 
Yeah, uh, he, but he's a funny one though because I, you know, I think he's still going to be really good. He's just not going to be second round good. Exactly, and, and that's why he's on here because I think once Turner comes back, once Oladipo comes back, um, I think you'll still have other mouths you'll need to feed on that team, and Brogdon's usage is not going to be as high as it is right now. And so because of that, he's on there. I still think he finishes top 50. Oh, yeah. Um, I was really high on him on draft day. Didn't land him in any of my leagues. Yeah. Which Dude, I'm 100% with you on that. He was the guy that I was watching in every draft and thinking, come on, just yeah. get to me. And it was like two picks in front of me every time off the yeah. board. We talked about it. I mean, yeah. he, he's 50, 40, 90. And it doesn't happen very often. And right now he's shooting 47%. Um, which you absolutely love. And he's shooting 98% from the free throw line. That's going to go down, by the way, 98%. Yeah, uh, but it's still going to be great. It's still going to be yeah. 90. Yeah, still going to be really good, but that'll go down a little bit, and that'll knock him down a couple spots, as well as the number of points that he's probably going to be getting every game. So because of that, I would trade Brogdon, um, and I would get him, try and see if he can get a top 15 guy for him. The um, let's. Well, I'm gonna do a little fun trivia game with you here. The Bucks have played 11 basketball games so far this year, I believe. Do you know the game? When what date did Malcolm Brogdon miss the only free throw he's missed this entire season? Oh, you said for the Pacers, not for the Bucks. Yeah, for the Pacers. Sorry. Okay. Uh, which game did he miss his free throw? I would guess game number one. You're right. You're 100% right. I, I sort of put that one. I sort of walked that one to the to the door there. Uh, it, it, he, he went 10 for 11 on opening night from the free throw line, and he hasn't missed a free throw since. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, and, his, and his field goal percent could almost actually be better. He's at 46 and a half because he's having to do a whole lot more from a volume perspective. Like, I'd rather have Booker, by the way. Guys like Booker. Um, Siakam that are below him, Trey Young, um, Vucevic. Yep. I'm agreeing on all of those so far. I think those are all guys I would rather have. Well, Trey's about to go insane for a month and a half. Yes. In particular. Yesterday was any indicator. No, these are all really good names because these are guys you're talking about that are basically all inside the top 30 at the very worst. Um, Bradley Beal I'd rather have. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. These are good. These are good swaps to make, and and now is probably the time to do it. If you wait another week, we might get that first Oladipo starting to do stuff update. I gotta think that's coming within the next ten days. Like, oh, Victor was spotted doing blah blah blah, and then all of the other Pacers are gonna take a an optics value hit. Even if they continue to play well, people are gonna be like, yeah, but Oladipo. Um, and then also, by the way, if you're like trying to figure out a time to get Oladipo, it's right now. This is this would be the time to try to stash him if maybe his owner got off to a really slow start or something. Um, I love that one. That, and really good examples of guys that you should try to get for him. So, Brandon, you handled that one yourself. What's next? Uh, by the way, with Oladipo, he was assigned to the Fort Wayne Mad Ants, I think, yesterday. So who knows what the hell that means. There's still no timetable for his return. Oh, the Mad oh. Ants. They're going to eat all the tin caps. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't they used to be like the the that isn't there or maybe their logo still is an apple? The tin, the tin caps? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Johnny Appleseed, right? Yeah. yeah. For anybody that has no idea what we're talking about, the uh single A team for the I don't know I'm not sure Was what Fort Wayne. Padres for a while? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Yeah, so. it actually still is pa- the Padres. Yeah. Oh. Fort Wayne um is the tin caps for oh, everyone else. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's base baseball joke. Sorry, everybody. Sorry. 
Sorry. Good baseball joke. Though. Thank you. Uh, Kevin Love is uh, number two. Ooh, this is a good one, too. He's ranked oh, at number 24. He's going to get hurt at some point. And if he doesn't get hurt, he's going to get traded most likely. Um, although he says he's going to stay and he wants to play in Cleveland. John Beeline has been incredible, by the way, for Cleveland. Um, they busted their ass yesterday against Philadelphia. I thought they looked really good. But Kevin Love's a guy that's not going to continue to perform at this level. He's but, very good, but he's not going to continue to perform at this level. By the way, you made a really good point, even just looking at that game yesterday. The fact that they're playing well and hard is another reason to hold on Tristan Thompson, who we talked about earlier in the show, because yeah. it's working. Whatever weird-ass crap they're doing right now, it's working. Tristan Thompson is like, he's been a defensive menace so far this year. I don't even know. You know what we're seeing also? Not only a team that cares a little bit more than last year, but also a man in a contract season. <laughs> yeah. And he's, hit, yep. he's hitting threes now. Yeah. Tristan what? Thompson. Like, get out of here with that. Get out of here with that, Tristan. But we love you for being one of the pickups of the season so far. So that's cool. Uh, yeah. Kevin Love is uh, really interesting. I mean, this is why when he was slipping to 45, 50 and whatever, all of us, me, you, whoever on the podcast, we were all just like, look, this is like this is a guy that has been a first-round value in the past, and he basically has control of a team again. So he's going to blow past his ADP, at least on a per-game basis. There is all that fear hanging over it. I think my take on this is, and then I'm curious what you're willing to take back, I think if I could get anybody inside the top 40, I would do it very quickly. Um, if I can get someone inside the top 50... That's where I probably stare at that trade window on my in my browser tab for like a half an hour going, should I? Maybe. But I could do, no, maybe there's, and then hitting like all the different buttons to sort by averages, totals, last week, last two weeks, right? like trying to find a reason to do it or not do it. Uh, so I think top 50 is around my cutoff for what I would take back for Kevin Love. Yeah, that's reasonable. And the one thing with him is that we were talking about it in the preseason his field goal percentage was terrible last year. It was 38.5. The year before that, it was 45.8. Before that, 42.7. So we really have no idea what type of shooter he is. Because <laughs> yeah. he fluctuates so much. So we don't really know. Um, his He's up over a turnover per game because he's doing more, I think, this season. Um, and so because he's doing more and his usage is so high, um, even though his usage is actually lower than it was the last couple of years, I think his field goal percentage will eventually get a little bit lower than what it is right now. And because yeah. of that, that means he'll drop. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, and then you get out from under the fear too, which even for a Roto person, you have to be a little bit afraid of him missing like a month, month and a half. I know if it's shutdown stuff, that's a head-to-head problem. That's just a few games at the end. Um, a trade actually wouldn't be the worst thing in the world because it would probably keep him on the floor for the rest of the year, but it would likely hurt his his per game output, especially if you ended up, you know, in a place like, uh, like a Portland back home per se. Um, Brandon, I think you have two left, but let's just pick your favorite. Let's do one more. Uh, yeah, I'll just do my final sell high. I was going to do four by lows, three sell highs, but we'll just do one final sell high. Um, and this is kind of one that goes with another player. Um, but I'm gonna say D'Angelo Russell. And the only reason why I'm saying D'Angelo Russell is because he's putting together some crazy lines right now. And I think there's, a couple things that could happen. A, his percentages could absolutely plummet, um, especially his field goal percentage if he has to shoot this many times a game. He's putting up numbers that we expected from Steph Curry, by the way, which is why we drafted Steph Curry as a top three guy, top five guy, because we thought he was going to go bonkers. Yep. Good player, bad team. It's an age-old yep. adage. Uh, my only issue with him, apart from the percentages, is I think he's going to sit at some point. 
And that's one thing that worries me with him and Draymond. I've already said it with Draymond. I think he's going to end up having surgery at some point um, with his ligament or whatever, whatever the issue is with him. The Warriors want to get a bigger look at some of their young guys. So it's kind of a Russell Draymond type thing where I would be getting rid of all my Warriors. So uh, in the four games that D'Angelo Russell played without Steph Curry, or with Steph Curry, excuse me, he took 16, 10, 21, and 12 shots, which I'm trying to do the math really quickly. I think that's 59 divided by four. So is that just under 15 shots per game? Uh, and in the four games since, these numbers are so high, I don't know if I can do this summation in my head. 24, 37, a pedestrian 19, and then 25. So let's see. That's, that's 105? Yeah. Good gracious. So that's 26 shots a game. Yeah, that's a lot, man. That's up from 15 to 26. He's taking 11 of Steph's 20 something shots that went. It didn't, it's not getting split up, guys. It's all going to D low. Um, yeah, that, that, uh, the usage is insane. He's, he's shot 51, 53, and 52% in the last three games. So you're absolutely right. Uh, he's going to have video game numbers, and you just have to figure out when I think is the right time. That to me is the question with Russell. It's not, should I try to get a massive haul back for this guy? It's when is that moment? And I think you need a little bit more post-Steph D'Lo of him taking 26 shots a game and scoring, you know, going for 35 and 8 a few more times. And then people are going to be like, oh my God, this guy is going to be a top five dude the rest of the year. And then you sell him for someone inside the top 25 and you just, you know, you laugh all the way to the Uncle Scrooge money bin. Uh, because right now I have to admit, like I listen, I, I pay really close attention to the NBA, but I've been crazy busy for a couple of days. And so like, I didn't realize that he had a 37 shot game in there. That's the kind of thing that normally if I was really lasered in, I would have seen that and been like, I got to talk about this on a show now. I don't care what day of the week it is. I need to talk about a 37 shot game for D'Lo. Uh, you, we just, I think we need to wait until everybody has seen his ridiculous usage. Um, so maybe a week, two weeks from now? Here's a question for you. You get offered Jonathan Isaac for D'Angelo Russell. You're giving up Russell, you're getting Isaac. Do you click accept? That's a tough one because I think both guys are actually going to peter out just a little bit. Yeah, Isaac's at 14 right now. Yeah, he's not going to be at 14 all year. Yeah. But, um, uh, he's not going to average three blocks all year. Right, and I don't think Russell's going to stay at whatever he's at right now. No, he's top three over the last, basically since Steph went down. Yeah, when Russell has a couple more games, by the way, I think you might be able to flip him, flip him for a guy like Siakam. Yeah, I think I would. I would. Yeah. yeah, you might even, I mean, hell, if this lasts longer, you might even be able to shoot the moon. Just start just start firing out offers for, like, top 15 guys, see what happens. Jimmy Butler. To try it. Hell, maybe somebody's, maybe somebody's fed up with Butler uh, not taking any three-pointers or something. He has number 12, by the way. Jimmy's been great. <laughs> Yeah, and Kemba's number 11. That's another guy, too. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Shoot the moon, man. Wait, if a guy's going to have a 40 usage and put up 35 and 10 for a couple weeks in a row, cash in. See what you can get. Shoot the damn moon. Shoot the damn moon. The stock can only go so high. Yeah. Ah, well. Uh, That was great. That was so much fun. Buy low, sell high with Brandon Marcus. Can we do it again next week? Absolutely. Hot damn. Happy Brandon Day, sir. Hey, happy Brandon Day. The marvelous Brandon Marcus, the king now. We're kinging him. Buy lows and sell highs. At BD Marcus on Twitter. B as in boy, D as in dog. 
Marcus, M-A-R-C-U-S. Go give him a follow now. Stop what you're doing. Go follow him. And while you're over on Twitter, give me a follow at Dan Bespris. Follow at HoopBallFantasy for our news feed over at HoopBall. Don't uh, don't mess around with that stuff. Actually get the news feed, you know, make it, uh, make it part of your daily ritual to get HoopBall's immediate takes on all of the biggest news of the day. Uh, quick request here before we get into the Tuesday evening results and then also prep you for the, the big Wednesday, not that big Wednesday, coming up tonight. Uh, number one, if you have a moment to please rate and review the podcast, we'd really appreciate that. You can do it via iTunes on your computer or via the podcast app on your Apple-branded mobile device. Open the podcast app, search for Fantasy NBA Today. That's the way to get it started. Uh, click on the show title, scroll to the bottom of the next page, and then fill in that five-star review. We uh, Again, that, that powers the locomotive over here. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you to everybody that's been subscribing. You are the best. And just so that you don't skip over this whole part, if you want to be a HoopBall contributor, hit me up at Dan Bespris on Twitter or send an email to teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Uh, that's for basically anything that can hit your head. We are always looking for good people that want to dive in face first and be a contributor here and grow with us here at HoopBall. Uh, if you want to learn how to podcast, we can do some trainee stuff there. If you want to learn how to write for fantasy, you've got to be willing to commit the time and have the innate skill and drive, but we will help get you the rest of the way. Hit me up again at Dan Bespris on Twitter or email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Tuesday night was a relatively busy one, but I, I don't want to spend too much time on anything that wasn't hugely important. So the Cavs-Sixers game, I didn't feel like there was a whole lot that kind of moved the needle in this one. It was good to see Jordan Clarkson get some of those minutes back from uh, Darius Garland. And Clarkson is obviously the better guy to own between those two. Also nice to see Larry Nance uh, get back into the mix a little bit. I know only four points, super low usage, but nice rebounding and steals starting to come back for him. And that's kind of why we held on. Uh, not much on that Sixer side. Uh, Ty Bull had his five uh, defensive stack game after a couple of goose eggs. So, you know, such is the life of the guy playing uh, zero to 15 minutes per game. That's something you watch way down the line. Again, if something ever happens to Josh Richardson, then you scoop. But right now, nah. Oklahoma City had a tough one. I think you can mostly throw this thing out. Um, Steven Adams only played 19 minutes. Nerlens Noel got 20. If that moves more towards a permanent timeshare... You obviously can grab Noel for more than just the streaming spot, but uh, as it stands, he's sort of on the outside. Same with Hamadou Diallo. Love his energy. Uh, love the minutes are going up. Love that he started, but he's not quite there yet. There's there's another leap that needs to be taken. Uh, for Indiana, you know, th- this is a team that just needs to get healthy. They played really well in this one, but overall, from a fantasy perspective, like you can, you can write Brogdon, Sabonis, and TJ Warren on your sheet easy because they were in this ball game and then everything else you know you just you're flipping a coin a little bit with guys like Aaron Holiday uh TJ McConnell Justin Holiday they've got holidays and TJs as far as the eye can see I, I think the best move here is just to wait until Miles and Jeremy Lamb come back and then you just roll out five starters Detroit at Miami Luke Kennard got the run of the the ship here because Andre Drummond fouled out and Blake Griffin and Derek Rose were both resting on the back-to-back so he's going to continue to hang on here I think you're looking at more like a top 90 top 100 guy when everything settles but that's still a very useful fantasy player ninth tenth guy on your team um and I don't think you're going to get enough from moving him so you probably just use him and hope that it sticks 
Kelly Olynyk played well, 13 points, three boards, five assists, a steal, and three three-pointers. It seems like he's now maybe moved back in front of Myers Leonard, although he's still coming off the bench. So it creates this weird, we still don't really know who's going to be doing decent stuff on a night-to-night basis. And for that, I'm dodging it entirely. Olynyk is a near ad. He's a world, more of a watch list guy right now. No Tyler Hero in this one, so Kendrick Nunn and Goran Dragic both were able to get good games going, and that's the thing. There's room for two of the three. There was no, by the way, uh, Justice Winslow either, so that could obviously impact guys like Duncan Robinson, a little bit of Olenek, uh, and then certainly shot attempts for Nunn, Dragic, etc. Um, but again, when one of those main three, Dragic, Nunn, and Hero, when one of those dudes is out, you can generally bank on the other two playing decent basketball. There's just sort of you know, this is like a game of musical chairs. There's two chairs, they're dancing around them, and when the music stops, someone is going to be standing and have to be out of the ball game. Now, again, if one of them's out, two people, two chairs, that makes a lot more sense. Um, as I've said on Twitter a few times, I think Kendrick Nunn is the one of those three that you want to have on your team. He's starting, he's more of a volume guy, and so he's getting shots up with that first unit. Jimmy Butler is deferring a lot. 13 assists for Jimmy in this ball game, so that was sweet. Um, no three-pointers, but that's not why you drafted him anyway. And then Dragic, he's the guy that's sort of leading the second unit, but his stat set just isn't that good anymore. So that's why I'm a little bit down on him. Hero can kind of get it going, but you sort of have to catch that flame when he comes off the bench, and if it doesn't work, it it turns sour pretty quick, where his bad ones are going to be worse than none's bad ones, and then their good ones are going to be uh, relatively tight. New York blown out in Chicago. This is a revenge game uh, that we talked about, I believe, on yesterday's podcast. Mentioned the Bulls. I was afraid to bet this one because I thought New York would come out a little embarrassed and feisty after getting smoked at home by the Cavaliers, but they just came out and got smoked again on the road. Marcus Morris, bad shooting game, but otherwise he's a guy that needs to be owned in fantasy. Julius Randle has been one of the worst picks of fantasy. He will be better than top 250 but he is not going to be very good this year. And if you can get out from under him and get anything of decent value, uh, you should do it. You're probably going to have to wait for a few good games in a row. At some point, he's going to have a couple good ones in a row. It's just, it's inevitable. Frank Nilakina, starters minutes, three points, four assists, three steals. You got him for the defensive stats and not much else. So if you had him for this, you'll have him for the next one. Uh, and then Taj Gibson. Hello. I don't know. Bye. Goodbye. Kobe White got hot for the Bulls, but you're not adding him after one good game. Chris Dunn has been a steals maven off the bench, but not enough minutes to really make it stick. And then you've got Zach Levine playing okay. Larry Markinen, who's cooled off after a good start. Wendell Carter Jr., who's been fine, but not great. Uh, and I am leading the I am the last remaining member of the Please Wait on Auto Porter fan club because he will make them better. He was just starting to come around, and if somebody drops him or you can get him for like a top 100 garbage player, then you definitely should. Trey Young. Hello, 33 usage rate. Trey Young, 42 and 11 with eight three-pointers, and he got a block in this game somehow. Uh, And he beat Denver almost single-handedly. Jabari Parker did help. Alex Len helped somehow, but you're not buying into that. Kevin Herter hurt his shoulder. It's a hard thing to say when your last name is Herter. 11 points, four boards, three assists before he uh, went out of the ballgame. He had that on four of four shooting in only 15 minutes. So we were, after a long time here, finally getting the answer to which other guy might do something, and it was seemingly going to be Herter, and then he got hurt. So 
anyway, it's back to Trey and Jabari for now. No, you're not buying into DeAndre Hunter after one decent shooting game. He still can't shoot free throws. His field goal percent is generally low, and he doesn't do much besides a couple points and a couple of boards yet. For Denver, four of the five starters, again, are the ones that you want to roll out there, so nothing changed in this ballgame. Lakers beat the Suns on the road. Anthony Davis hurt his rib cage and will likely sit out the back-to-back. That sucks, but he'll be fine. I would still buy him in a heartbeat because he's playing through basically anything that he can right now. Kyle Kuzma got hot, didn't do anything besides score in this ballgame, but you'll take 23-4 and four with three threes, a steal on good percentages, so he's starting to get closer to being right. Rajon Rondo made his return to the lineup and had a really nice line in 14 minutes. I don't think he makes them better, but there is a spot for him on this team, and it's probably running the second unit with Anthony Davis still on the floor. So whether that means you get LeBron out first, bring Rondo in, and let him run and gun with Anthony so there's a little bit less of the post stuff, uh, or you take... Anthony Davis out first and then bring him back in with Rondo when LeBron takes his first rest. One of those two, there's no reason to have Rondo on the floor with LeBron James at the same time. It just seems redundant. You want more spacing. You want more defense there. But they'll figure it out. Actually, this is this weird, as a Laker fan, this is the first time in a while I felt like, well, you know what? I think they'll figure it out. Like, they're not just going to jam him in there because they signed him. Because there are other guys doing good stuff. Alex Caruso had no numbers, but actually played brilliant defense and set a whole bunch of good screens. JaVale McGee looked really good. He had a dunk over Aaron Baines. That was something only a seven foot three guy could do. Uh, Dwight Howard looked good as well. None of these guys did enough for fantasy. Rondo is the name I want to talk about. Because I don't know what his ultimate role is going to be with this team. He played 14 minutes, first game back. That's a low minute total. If he gets into the mid-20s, Not only is that a terrible business decision for the Lakers, but from a fantasy perspective, it's probably enough to warrant a roster spot because there are so many guys on this team that can capitalize on a fast-break pass from Rajon Rondo. If he's available in your league, you probably consider throwing him at the end of your bench. He's not playing in their back-to-back tonight, so we won't get any more data points on him. Um... But they've got a game against Sacramento on Friday, and that might be a good indicator. Like, does his do are his minutes going to creep up to seventy, or sorry, to twenty? I don't know why I said seventy. Clearly, I've lost my mind. Are they going to creep up to seven uh, to twenty and then stop? Are they going to get higher than that? If they hit twenty, I think you kind of have to stick them on the end of your bench and just see what happens. Because again, there's just it's going to be a blitz, man. When he's out there, it's going to be run, run, run. Because he can set up a really good offense, and you just hope that Anthony Davis can kind of cover for him on defense. Remember, those two guys played together, so there's a little bit of love. I would call him a speculative ad. Much as I hate his reality game uh, from fantasy, he can can get there pretty quick. Brooklyn lost in Utah. They played um, okay, by all accounts, almost with the exception of Kyrie Irving. Um, DeAndre Jordan was very good. When they go against big centers, he tends to outplay Jared Allen. That continues to be an annoying situation. Torian Prince has been solid, uh, and then nothing else changes for this team. Spencer Dinwiddie is going to score some points, but he does it inefficiently, and there just isn't enough other stuff there. I'm not in the the Dinwiddie camp, even with Levert out. Jazz are pretty predictable these days. Uh, Mike Conley at 18, kind of an empty 18, but he's starting to come around. I think the only bad thing with Utah is it does look like Joe Ingles might just not have enough usage to get there this year. So he's probably droppable. 
And then Portland lost in Sacramento. This is the other revenge game on the docket from yesterday, so we cashed them both. By the way, there are none on the docket tonight. Womp womp. Damian Lillard was good. Hassan Whiteside was okay. And then everybody else was kind of crummy. Kent Bazemore is going to be good as long as Rodney Hood is out. Um, CJ McCollum missed some free throws. Like, it's been a weird year for him. And uh, Anthony Simons, who some of you folks were yelling at me about on Twitter, had a very poor shooting night. He did get 28 minutes, but I, you know, I, I will say I'll plant my flag in the notion that I think his minutes trend back down towards 20 or even a tiny bit lower once Rodney Hood is back. Uh, Bazemore is going to lose probably about eight to nine of his as well. Um, we don't know Hood's exact timetable. Back spasms are a little bit finicky, and he's pretty brittle. So I would assume maybe within the next week. So yeah, I'm not making any uh, crazy moves here. I, I, I'd stream Bazemore, but I don't think I'm touching anybody else. And then for the Kings, uh, with De'Aaron Fox out for a month and a half, I said it yesterday, I'll say it again. You guys have heard me. I don't like Bogdan Bogdanovich fantasy game, but he's absolutely a must-own, must-start guy as long as De'Aaron Fox is out. So what I said yesterday, I'll say it again today. Both things can be true. He was heavily over-owned while De'Aaron Fox was healthy, and now he's heavily under-owned with De'Aaron Fox out. Both things are true. Nemanja Bielitsa, he's going to be good until Bagley comes back. Rashawn Holmes, he's going to be good even after that, I think, because Bagley's taken most of those power forward minutes. Uh, Buddy Heald, another poor shooting game. He's going to come around, and when he does, it's going to be like molten hot lava. And then Harrison Barnes, typical late, plodding, boring, super boring incredibly boring fantasy player. The other guy I want to mention on the Sacramento side before we leap into what's coming up on Wednesday night is Corey Joseph, who is your uh, uh, an absolute candidate here for uh, the WAC Fantasy Award for guys that can be on the floor the most minutes and not do anything. He has incredibly limited fantasy appeal. I'm looking at his seasons in Toronto and Indiana as better indicators of where this could go. And I'm looking at the season where he was most heavily involved, and that was Toronto, three years ago. He took eight shots per game, 8.3. Doesn't take any three-pointers, so you can wipe that off your wish list. Is a 76% free throw shooter, so you can wipe any positive numbers there off your wish list and averaged nine points, three boards, and three assists in 25 minutes a game. Even if you believe that he plays 30 to 32 minutes per game, it's still not enough. You're adding 20%, and it's still not enough, because that gets you to like 11, 3.5, and and 4, with maybe a three-pointer and maybe a steal. That's end, end, end of that DJ Augustine territory, friends. So no, not interested in Corey Joseph. He is a streaming option at best. Again, at best. Nothing more. Oddly short Wednesday card. Only seven games coming up tonight. Memphis is in Charlotte. Orlando hosts the 76ers. Washington and Boston. The post-Gordon Hayward era for Boston yet again. Six weeks begins. Houston hosting the Clippers. That should be a fun one. Minnesota and San Antonio. Uh, Spurs. Get your act together, Spurs. Warriors at Lakers. This is an eight-point Lakers line, which feels super low. But they are on a back-to-back, and I don't know. I mean, they think D'Angelo and, and Draymond Green, maybe there's maybe there's going to be a little bit of a letdown here. There might. Portland hosting the Toronto Raptors as well. There are no revenge games on the docket tonight, so from a betting perspective, you're just going with whatever makes the most sense. 
and not a lot of this stuff makes sense to me. Houston being favored is a little bit screwy in my estimation. The Clippers are just a better team than the Rockets right now. Minnesota by a point and a half does make a lot of sense. I think the Wolves are better than people realize. Uh, Lakers by eight seems low, but that frightens me. And Portland uh, being favored over the Raptors only makes sense because of all the injuries out there and how badly the Blazers need wins, and they do play better at home. There are, for me, not a ton of hyper-strong leans on the card. Orlando, by the way, is also basically a pick with Philadelphia. That's a screwy line. If you went with your head... Or if you went with your, your head on these, you'd say Philly should win this game easily. But I think there's something more at play in this one. You would also look at, this, at these games and you would say, the Clippers are better than Houston. Why are they underdogs? You would also probably say, why are the Lakers only favored by eight against the, the undead Warriors? And you probably also wonder uh, why a Blazers team that hasn't been very good is favored over the Toronto Raptors. But you can't think like that with betting lines. You have to read between them a little bit. What is it exactly that's causing Philly Orlando to be this shifted? Well, for one, it's a back-to-back. So normally this line would have been Philadelphia by one to one and a half points, and that would be a four and a half point neutral site favorite. And so if they were playing in Philadelphia, the line would be something like Philly by seven to eight. That kind of makes sense, right? That feels pretty normal. You'd say Philly by seven or eight in their house. That would shift by six points and then another two, and now you're back at a pickup. So it's actually not that crazy. I think this is an interesting one. I think Philly played kind of poorly yesterday. They might be regressing a tiny bit, and Joel Embiid is also sitting, if, I, if, I, if I'm remembering my numbers right. So, or he's questionable because of the back-to-back. So we don't know for sure if he's sitting yet. Stay tuned to your local news department uh, to find out if, if Joel Embiid is sitting this ballgame. That line leads me to believe that he is. So, again, read between the lines. Find out how a line got to where it is. Don't don't just say none of this makes sense, because sometimes it does. Houston by two, this would be a one-point Clippers favorite on neutral side. They'd be about a four-point favorite at home. Yeah, that still feels a tiny bit low to me. And neither one of these teams did play yesterday. That feels a little bit low to me. I think I'd lean to the Clippers side in that one. But, I mean, you're talking about a two-point favorite? Anyway, I have no plays on the card in this one. None of the angles fall into place, so uh, we'll, we'll stick around and wait and see. From a fantasy perspective, Memphis at Charlotte, um, not a whole lot that we're digging into on this one. I think we got a pretty good feel. Philly, Orlando, same deal. Washington at Boston. Uh, Boston, we're watching the center situation right now, so put that one on your list. Find out if Ennis Cantor's getting in there. Daniel Tice, Robert Williams, who's actually going to get those minutes. And then with Washington, we saw Isaiah Thomas really rack up a lot of minutes in their last ballgame. That's a nice sign. And if that continues to trend up, then suddenly that makes him super intriguing. And then Troy Brown, also kind of interesting in that ballgame as well. His minutes have fluctuated a lot, so I'm not fully sold on it, but you're keeping an eye on it as well. So that's where that's a worth watching game. Uh, Clippers, Houston, Houston is down Eric Garden uh, for six weeks. He had arthroscopic surgery. Daniel House is unlikely to play in this ball game. So you're going to see some more Austin Rivers if you want to stream. I don't, but it's going to be a lot of Harden and Westbrook and, uh, Clint Capella with a smattering of our nine cat favorite PJ Tucker. Not really. This is a fun game to watch, but from a fantasy perspective, there's not a whole lot there. Spurs are a fantasy wasteland right now. We just are watching every game until we see Derek White and DeJounte Murray play together. 
That's when the world turns. That's when we can finally buy in. Not yet. Warriors, can anybody do stuff besides D'Angelo and Draymond Green? I'm not certain that they can. Lakers with a couple of guys resting. I'm still not going to buy into anything with that bunch. Toronto at Portland. Uh, Boucher, Norman Powell are the guys that we're keeping a watch on for Toronto. And then with Portland, we just talked about their game yesterday. Also, again, that's your your side note there. Remember, Portland played, so that's a back-to-back. So they'd actually have been a a four-and-a-half-point favorite in this one. Not an easy back-to-back, losing in Sacramento and then flying home. But this is also, anyway, like I said, not betting on anything in this card. And that's your show for this Wednesday. Great segment with Brandon, the buy low, sell high. Again, rate and review the podcast. Hit us up if you want to be a contributor. And finally, check out the Brews letter. Aaron Brewski's fresh to your inbox once a week. Spin through the NBA. It's been in the in the 10 pages of text neighborhood on his first few editions of it. So make sure you get on the list for the next one. Go to hoop-ball.com slash newsletter. Super easy website to remember. Go to hoop-ball.com, and then you just put slash newsletter at the end of our main website. And you can sign up there. It'll take you 10 seconds. You put your name and your email in, and you click uh, sign up. You'll get the next bruise letter. It'll likely come out on Monday morning. It'll have Aaron's take on all 30 teams in the NBA, some stuff on the Kings, because obviously he's covering them, some stuff on his own life. It's awesome. It's free. And the only way to get it is to sign up for the newsletter. It's not on the website. It's not on a podcast. It's not on social media. It's nowhere else. It is exclusively in the bruise letter. So go check that out again, hoop-ball.com forward slash newsletter. Have a lovely Wednesday, everyone. For Brandon, I am Dan. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. Follow us all on Twitter at Dan Vespers, at BD Marcus, at Hoop Ball Fantasy. We'll talk to you tomorrow. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.